0: Hi friends, it's your girl Jane Z. If you are new to Inside Out, welcome, welcome. And if you've been here for a while, welcome back. Today we have a very special guest. So special, in fact, that we're back here on YouTube, if you're watching the video, that is. So last year, while I was wanderlusting during lockdown, I stumbled across this little Instagram account called Accidentally Wes Anderson. Now it's not so little. It had an audience of about a million people at the time. And I just fell in love with the beautiful photos that all had that quirky Wes Anderson aesthetic. You know, symmetrical pastel colors, everything in its place. And what I appreciated was not just the photos, but every image came with a detailed story about that place. So when I found out that they were compiling all the images and stories into a book, I of course put in a pre-order and I was lucky enough to be one of the first people to get my hands on this book. This has been my source of inspiration and travel throughout the pandemic. I'll just show you a couple pages from it. As you can see there's these beautiful okay so this one is actually my favorite favorite image and story it's the hotel sacker in vienna austria and you can tell the owner is enamored with dogs and and her canine companions as you can see from the giant portrait there fun fact this hotel is very accommodating to dogs So if you're bringing your four-legged companion, your room will be equipped with doggy blankets, towels, in addition to a special do not disturb sign for your pup. You can even have the chef prepare a custom meal for your dog. They should simply order up a tenderloin or a veal schnitzel from room service fun fact. Um, So there's all these quirky kind of stories in this book. And I was so lucky to have a chance to speak with Wally Koval, who's the creator behind all of this. Naturally, I was curious, you know, who's behind this project? I would assume a Wes Anderson super fan, probably a photographer, probably a writer, maybe working together. As it turns out, Wally and his wife, Amanda, who work on this together, neither of them are slash were professional writers or photographers, per se, although you could now argue that after years of doing this, they are expert curators, especially of Wes Anderson content. But They kind of stumbled upon this project by accident. They were taking their first international trip together to Argentina and Uruguay, and they couldn't really find interesting travel guides of places off the beaten path. And so they kind of explored on their own and started taking pictures. And when they got back, Wally made it his hobby to once a day find a place and post a story about it on Instagram. So that's kind of how it started, and the community just grew with interest and grew organically from there. It's a true testament to the insanely high quality of work that Wally and Amanda have put together that Wes Anderson himself, yes, the filmmaker, actually gave the project his blessing and penned a foreword for the book. I mean, that's just incredible. And on top of that, the book was published in October 2020, which, as you all know, is the middle of the pandemic, and it was right before the U.S. election. The book still managed to hit the charts of the New York Times bestseller list. So major, major kudos and hats off to Wally and Amanda. Now, many years into AWA, Wally finally works on this full-time, and they've managed to establish this unique little company that's essentially a specialized content studio for travel content. After the episode, make sure you go check out their website. They've built out this full-blown interactive website with travel guides and maps, and that's all at accidentallywesanderson.com. One thing I noticed while talking to Wally is that he is very, very humble. He's clearly poured his heart and soul into this project, whether it's working with 180 photographers for the book from all around the world, or sifting through the thousands of submissions they get every week, or engaging with their audience of a million and a half adventurers, as he calls them. And chances are, if you're watching this, you are one of the adventurers. If you're new to this podcast, I really, really appreciate you being here. Every Tuesday, I talk to someone who's built something amazing, like Wally has, and talk to them about their life story and how they got to this point. If that sounds up your alley, check out InsideOutWithJane.com for all the episodes. You can find me on Instagram at InsideOutWithJane. And be sure to subscribe for new episodes every Tuesday. All right, on to the show. I was just watching the Darjeeling Limited the other night. Uh, Nice flick, solid flick. flick. Yeah, I have to ask you, what is your go to Wes Anderson film?
1: I mean, that's such a tough question. And you know, you feel like at this point, I should have a solid answer for it. But I don't I feel like it completely depends on my mood. I I typically go with like a top three or four, not in any order. Of which the Darjeeling Limited is typically within that top tier group, but definitely have to go with a a throwback from maybe some Rushmore and Mm. uh, definitely a Life Aquatic in there as well. That would be my vibe these days. And it could shift at any point. We don't know.
0: Nice. I'm still working through his older stuff, but I would say probably my favorite would be Grand Budapest Hotel. I think that's his most recent,
1: but... The, the French Dispatch was actually just premiered at Cannes, oh, and wow. we were very, very, very lucky to get uh, a sneak peek at that. If you are any sort of a Wes Anderson fan... I wanted to continue watching, and I came out with this huge smile. Me and and Amanda, my wife, and a couple of our friends got to go check it out, and it was... Unbelievable! So uh, you're in for a treat. I'm Um, I'm super excited to to see it again.
0: Ooh, okay, I'm excited to see it. What was the first Wes Anderson film you watched, and was that the one that sparked accidentally Wes Anderson?
1: No, uh, the first one that I ever saw was Rushmore. Actually, I remember my dad was watching it. It was on the TV on a Saturday or something, and I remember coming in, you know. of tilting my head a little and being like, what is this? And sitting down, watching the rest of it. And uh, yeah, I didn't know what I was watching, but I was hooked. That was kind of the the beginning of my interest in all things Wes Anderson.
0: How old were you then?
1: (sighs) I don't know, 15, 16, 17, early, mid-teens, I guess I could say. I was just very fascinated with the characters, with the dialogues. It was just very interesting to me.
0: They definitely hook you in. And the aesthetic, too, is a very specific Wes Anderson aesthetic. I want to hear the story of how this whole project came about, because I heard you speak before about, you know, something about a trip and you were jet lagged after having watched some Wes Anderson films. And you were like, let's just post some pictures on Instagram. (laughs) Give us the full
1: story. Yeah. I mean, it was that, but not that at the same time. It was, look, again, I've been a fan of Wes Anderson for a long time, his films rather. And Amanda and I had just started going on our own adventures, on our own trips together and having the opportunity to travel internationally. We went to Argentina and Uruguay and we... Did some travel through Europe, and I just remember these places that looked like they were from one of his films started popping up, and it was maybe the light reflecting off of a building or something that I'm seeing, and it's springtime, and the way that it's hitting here in New York City and reflecting off of the buildings or whatnot, I'm not certain. But these photos started popping up everywhere, and at the same time that this realization of we're having a little bit of time here and there where we can pop off to somewhere... So where would we go? What would we do? And as these places were popping up online, on Reddit, on Instagram, all over the place, I was I was enamored. Mm-hmm. But none of them really had any context to them. It was just kind of like building in India. And I was like, well, India is huge. And I, I don't know where that building <laughs> is, but I would love to know. So I started Doing some Googling. I, I would do some reverse image searching and finding some stuff. And I just I set it as a task for myself. I said, okay, Wally, once a day, every day you're gonna find a place that seems interesting to you and you're going to figure out where it is, what it is, and when it was built. That's Ooh. that was kind of what I tasked myself with. And so once a day, every day for the past fifteen or sixteen hundred days at this point, wow. I've done that. It was something that I set in myself to just I don't know, a hobby, but also something to see if I could just remain consistent with something. And as we went along, we started to uncover these really interesting stories behind these places. And that's kind of where it took off from.
0: If you think about Instagram, it really is so, I mean, up until now, so much about just the imagery. And you see so many pretty pictures online of these beautiful places. But when I look at your account, you know, half the fun is looking through the stories and the quirky goings on behind these places. Are either you or Amanda writers or just saw this as a hobby?
1: We pretend to be writers on Instagram <laughs> um, and in books, apparently. You know, we are now? Well, I, you know it's fun. I, I, I'm not a writer. I didn't go to school to be a writer. I, I worked in sales and i worked doing events and content marketing and amanda worked in catering so no we were not professional photographers we were not historians or architects and we were not writers but we enjoyed the stories behind these places and we enjoyed the interesting facts and things that we pulled from them and what they had to tell and the stories that we unearthed i enjoy writing i'm not a writer i enjoy taking photos i'm not a photographer You know, we're average individuals in terms of our our abilities. We just enjoy the things that these places have to tell.
0: And you've put in the work of building this community, right?
1: A a lot of work.
0: When did this start turning from a hobby into more of a, a real community and endeavor?
1: For sure. I mean, the community in and of itself started forming off the bat. But it was slow going. And again, I never set out to create anything like this. I never imagined that we'd have a book, that we would be doing what we're doing today. I Never in a million years. If you said that to me, I would have said you're crazy. But it was through consistency and just heartfelt interest and excitement around the project itself that made it come to fruition. It was very slow going in the beginning. Amanda couldn't believe or stand that I was like spending time on Instagram talking to like the 30 people that were liking the photos. And I was like, this is awesome though. This person said like, if we ever go to this place, there's a place around the corner that we have to check out or a cafe over here or a place that, you know, I just I wouldn't have known about. So that's, that was really interesting Mm. to me. I'm deriving this information from putting a little bit of something out there. We're getting all of this really cool stuff back. I was excited about it. And it was very much a hobby. It was not anything that we expected it to turn into anything like this, like I said. But there was a, an article early on, Vogue did an interview with us. And once that happened, it went from maybe two or 3,000 people who were following the account. And the community exploded overnight to around 20,000 or so. Wow. And that was a scary and exciting and scary time Mm -hmm. because, you know, we had this little group of people that we were talking to on a regular basis and it felt we're in the living room and all of a sudden you're transported to an amphitheater and that's a scary Mm -hmm. thing, right? I don't talk to thousands of people on a daily basis and what's that going to do to the content or the engagement and all of this stuff, but the community continued to grow. Uh, in a positive way, um, you know, I attribute that to the foundation of the consistency with which we set it up. I attribute that to the manner in which we communicated back and forth with the community on a regular basis prior to that point, And really just how we built it out. Unknowingly, We kind of were just like, yeah, this is a nice space that we would like to exist in and tell stories within. And it just so happened that that was conducive to a larger conversation. Mm-hmm. Amanda and I went to Argentina and Uruguay a second time. And I said to her, you know, why don't we just... Ask the community, like, where should we go? What should we do? What should we see? Who should we meet? And we put it out to the community on uh, our story. And we thought we'd get, you know, a few responses here and there. And the outpouring was overwhelming. That was like a uh, overwhelming experience because we didn't know what we were going to do right? I didn't have anything planned. I was just like, we're just going to go down here and go on vacation. But our vacation turned into work unknowingly. Ultimately, we touched down and it turned into a choose your own adventure with us posting here's a place where should we go next? Here's a place where should we go next? And interviews and all that fun stuff kind of came from that. So that was kind of the spark. And then it turned into something very real. Once we wrapped that trip up, we realized there was something there.
0: So many things I want to follow up on. But Argentina and Uruguay, what drew you and Amanda to these countries? And what were some of the trip highlights?
1: Oh, I mean, the countries in and of themselves, how did we pick them? Mm-hmm. To be quite honest, because we had free flights to go there. That was pretty much it. I had done something at work in my first job. And they were like, as a bonus, you can use our airline miles to go somewhere. And I was like, okay. Okay. And I think they thought I was going to go to maybe like, I don't know, LA. And I was like, I can use all of these miles and go to Argentina. And I don't know how happy they were about it, but since then we've spoken, they're okay. This was like, Like
0: how far can I stretch
1: these miles? Yeah. And you know, Amanda and I had never traveled anywhere internationally together and it was exciting. So that's how we got there. The origins of what AWA has ultimately turned into goes back to that initial time because when we were going down there, we did a lot of research for what should we do? We don't have a community. We don't have anything. I mean, we're just trying to figure it out. We're going on vacation. And what we ultimately found was there weren't great resources for it. We watched Anthony Bourdain twice, took a lot of notes. We did a lot of Googling, found a bunch of semi-trip advisor-ish top 10 lists. And it was like, that wasn't really intriguing. So we ultimately just went off of what we had seen Bourdain do, off the beaten path kind of thing, picked a few places, touched down and just scattered and went to see what we could find. That's been the only place that we've gone back to more than once. We just fell in love with the architecture, with the culture, with the communities, with the people, with the food. I mean, it was just like unbelievable. And ultimately we ended up in Buenos Aires, we took a ferry over to Uruguay, rented a car. And Uruguay is fascinating. I mean, you can drive anywhere, it's incredibly safe. And you can literally just pick away and go and you'll find something interesting. You can drive the entire country or at least the bottom half of it in five hours, something like that. And so we ended up at the very opposite side of, of where we started. And we took a dune buggy out over the dunes on the beach and drove down maybe 30 minutes to a place called Cabo Polonio. Cabo Polonio is a beach town that's almost like there is no electricity. It's all run on generators. They turn them on once or twice a day, and that's where we ended up staying. It was just an unbelievable experience and something that was just, I don't know. Travel has just opened up my mind and the way that I think about things. I was very lucky early on to be able to study abroad in Sydney. Hmm. And prior to that, I had lived at the beach with many of my friends you know, for two or three summers. And then I left one summer, my junior year of college, and I went abroad. And I was like devastated that I was gonna miss out on all of this stuff. And I came back with this perspective of, what am I doing? I gotta get on a plane. I gotta go somewhere. I gotta see some stuff. I gotta, and you know, that was just an eye opening experience. So anytime we've been fortunate enough to get on a plane, or even fortunate enough to just allow ourselves five or six hours to wander around our own neighborhood. Find a place that you've not seen before and start unearthing these interesting stories. Talk to people who look like they've been there for a while. Mm -hmm. Ask them a random question. Typically, people are pretty nice and pretty open. If you're sincere and respectful, they're happy to tell you their story. And through that, I feel like you find a lot of really interesting things.
0: Did you grow up in New York?
1: No, I actually, Amanda and I grew up in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, which (gasps) I don't think up until maybe a few years ago, nobody could probably point that out on a map.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Any Wes Anderson spots in your hometown?
1: Yeah, in the book, uh, the book is 200 places from all over the world touching every single continent. And one of them, maybe we were a little biased in putting it in there, but <laughs> meh. But, you know, in Wilmington, Delaware, there is the Grand Opera House. And mm. I, sure, we're partial to it but it was also not just a place that was special to us being from wilmington but it was a place that was also you don't have to be from new york city you don't have to live in paris you don't have to live in a major city or a place that anybody's ever heard of before you can find these really interesting spots literally anywhere it does not matter and that's a, a testament to it you know
0: mm. one of the photos i remember is this abandoned swimming pool yeah i don't remember where it was somewhere in in europe but the story behind it was so cool, how the town came together and funded, rebuilding it or something like that.
1: There are so many places that when, you, when we started digging into a lot of these spots, sure, you can talk about the architecture of every place, but ultimately, the history of them typically leads to a community. Why were these places created typically was for a group of people to do a specific task. There really isn't much more behind many places than that. But where the stories get interesting is when the community gets involved. And in that same case, I think you're talking about maybe it's Victoria Baths in somewhere in England, I forget. But most of these baths, what are now like these beautiful pools that just people go recreationally created because people didn't have a place to bathe, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was like this purpose for them. And then through that purpose, they evolved with the community because then the community had indoor plumbing and they had facilities to bathe themselves. So they were no longer needed and they fall into disrepair. But, you know, this is an institution within that community. They rally around it, they build it up and then they save it. And now it's a recreational facility where people have memories of learning to swim or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. So What was once built specifically for function has now accidentally over the years transformed, evolved, and become something brand new, something that you wouldn't have imagined it being from the very beginning. Almost every single place that you can imagine has an interesting story behind it. And each one of those is so unique and so interesting in and of themselves. I'm I'm fascinated.
0: <laughs> I'm envisioning the DMs for your Instagram account being this treasure trove of stories every day. Is is that what it's like?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. We've transitioned from the DMs to pushing people to push submissions through our website. On a weekly basis, we get hundreds of them. Monthly, we get wow. thousands of them. And these are photos from the community, along with the location, and maybe a tidbit of what it's about, maybe not. And we are, you know, we say community with a capital C. All of my friends who are English majors or who are proper writers get a little peeved at that. But look, it's community with capital C, team with a capital T. It's without them, there's nothing. It is a proper noun, in my opinion. And I think that it's something that's incredibly important to Not just who we are, but the project and the things that we're creating, because without them, none of this exists. Because I personally, with the ADD that I have, would have lost interest a long time ago if I wasn't getting this influx of really interesting things that are inspiring us to find out these stories. Every single day we put up something on on Instagram nine times out of 10, that's a photo that someone else has taken. And that photo has prompted us to dive into a story that we didn't know before, something that we never really would have thought to figure out. So there's an inspiration that comes from that group that's insanely special. You
0: guys are like accidental historians at this point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: You mentioned this idea of an amphitheater earlier and this capital C community. Who are the people sitting in those seats in the amphitheater? How would you characterize them? Are they all, you know, people who've caught the travel bug, photographers, or people who love these, you know, love history and love stories? How would you describe your audience?
1: Yeah. We describe our audience. We hate the word followers. We don't like that word at all. We go with it. They're adventurers and an adventurer can take a form of many different things. They are a potluck, a cornucopia, whatever you want to call it. They're literally from all over the world. When we look at the numbers and the figures, it's all over the place. We are made up of people who are curious. That's everybody who exists in creative fields to people who are planning their next adventure, people who are looking for a mood board to to design their office space, whatever it might be. The crazy thing is that we have attracted an audience of individuals that is uh, so diverse and we never expected it. We've found these secret little niche pockets of people who have rallied around the project for reasons that we never would have expected similar to it being a mood board for a design project. Never thought of that in a million years. I look at what we do as love this story. Maybe I'll go there one day. That's that's Mm -hmm. me. Or this picture is cool. I like that. It makes me smile. I I'm, I'm here for it, but there are endless possibilities to it. And the community itself is an endless diverse hodgepodge mix of people. I mean, with the book, that's, that's expanded the audience significantly, but we'll get emails from people who will say, I don't have Instagram. I don't have Facebook, but I want you to see this photo because I think it's great. And I'm I, that's unbelievable. Because if you don't have Instagram or Facebook, I don't know how you found my information, but I love it. And I'm so happy that you did. So send it my way.
0: I like this this term of adventures. That can mean so many different things, you know, curiosity about spaces and geography and history. But maybe you just like it for the aesthetic or, or the design. Yep. Uh, I want to hear a bit about the work you put into curating the content. So, I mean, you get hundreds, thousands of submissions a month. That's a lot of content to just sift through. What's your process of sifting and curating these images and stories?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, luckily I have someone who's much smarter and better at that stuff than I am, Amanda, by my side. This wouldn't exist without her either. The process is All of these submissions come through we look at every single one uh, which is a lot and it takes up a lot of time but until that gets too too time consuming which we're on the teeter of that you know people have taken their time to take a photo they've not only taken a photo they've then gone to a website they've uploaded that photo and they've added their information in to share a little bit about that place I can't discount the amount of time that they've taken and the thought that they Mm -hmm. put behind it before they send it to us. So I'm gonna give the respect back to them of taking a look at it, even if it is for a moment or two. So we watch all the videos and we look at all the photos and then ultimately we start to map them out. We use a couple different programs to do that, whether that's just having a folder open on a big screen and uh, looking at different photos together or we've started using different uh, social programs. Preview is one of them that allows us to drag and drop and see how things will match up to one another. And yes, it starts with the aesthetic, but it ends with the story. Those are 50-50. And sometimes people message us and say, I don't have a photo of this place, but this is such an amazing story. It would be perfect for you guys. Mm -hmm. So just as we get many submissions that are photo-based, we get many that are just idea-based or story-based. And so we'll go through those. And we'll start to match them up. We'll do some preliminary research and make sure that there is an interesting story there, that there is an angle. And then we will start to draft that up. We try to map our content, you know, 30 days in advance and start to build that content repository, which has taken forever to do. But Mm. once we're in that position, we can be nimble too. It's not set in stone. It's far from it. Every day that we get up you know, check the headlines, see what's going on. It's a social thing as well. There are things that happen in the world that we we don't put our our take on things. We look at ourselves as reporters, not commentators. We're trying to share factual information. And sometimes it's necessary to move things around and other times holidays pop up and, you know, interesting things that are going to be exciting for the community to partake in. We like to make sure that we're adapting to that. It
0: sounds like a lot of research goes into the storytelling aspect. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) how do you like verify or a story or do you try to reach out to people from the place and and get accounts from them or is it a, a lot of googling
1: a lot of googling the book i think is the best um like the top tier of the research category that we ever ended up in we used basically every single method of research for that from Literally finding a woman who was the great granddaughter of a gentleman who is in one of the stories and having her fax us these old recipes that she, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. There was a place in Glava, Sweden, which is a tiny town, like, like this, like it is so small. It's smaller than Wilmington, Delaware, insofar as they were fighting to remain with their designation of being a town, because so many people kept leaving and coming back. So anyway, I couldn't find any information on it. But I had this story and this awesome photo in mind. And so I ended up having to like befriend and join these very obscure, tiny Facebook groups that were all in Swedish use a lot of Google Translate. And then even finding some people who when I couldn't find anything, I'd go on Airbnb and just message people who had properties nearby and just try to wow. get accounts. So it's wow. there's a lot of verification involved, but a lot of it is really trusting a story and following it and making sure that the people that you're talking to are, are, are true to who they say they are. It's weird having become... Am I a writer? No. Am I a reporter? No. But I tried <laughs> to do both of them as diligently as I can.
0: Yeah, you're like full on investigative reporting. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a smart hack of you know, Airbnb. I would not have thought of that.
1: I didn't either until I had to. <laughs> whatever works right exactly
0: so there's so many directions you could have taken this project right you mentioned the word map earlier like mapping out the content you know this could also be a map of all these places that turns into some kind of travel app or or something but how did the idea of turning this all into a book come about
1: Well, I mean, the book was kind of a natural progression. I always looked at these photos. And, you know, look, Instagram's great. I was comfortable with it. And that's why I used it as my platform. But these photos are amazing. And to have on this tiny screen and this big, and it's like, you know, you couldn't even when we started posting, I don't think Instagram even allowed you to zoom at that point in time. So okay, so you put these things up there, they're, it's fleeting, it's gone in 24 hours, unless you're scrolling back and actually very interested. And this is like, these photos are incredible. These are people's works, people's art, they put a lot of time into many of these photos. And so for them to just poof, go away or be buried at the bottom of a feed, it wasn't doing them justice. So I Amanda had a roommate who was in publishing. And I just said, Hey, man, how do you make a book (laughs) just because I don't, I don't know what the process is. I have no idea. I don't even, no idea, none. And I was expecting he would tell me, well, you have this, and then you go to a publisher or you get an agent or you talk to this. And like, I just wanted to know, like, what's the process? And he Mm -hmm. ultimately said, well, Uh, let me see what you're trying to do. I sent him the account. He was excited about it. At that point in time, we had 30,000 followers or so. And he was like, let me put you in touch with a couple people that I think you should talk to. So then I had an agent reach out to me and ended up hitting it off very well. Awesome guy. And ultimately he was like, how quickly do you want to put this together? And I was like, I don't have a timeline. I want to do it right. Well, how much, how much time do you want to place within this process? I said, as much as it needs to be. And ultimately, he said, okay, fine. So this was like November of 2017. And ultimately, the book didn't come out until October 2020. So it was three years in the making of sorts and countless conversations. And uh, look, I wrote probably 15, 20 different scrapped written letters to Wes Anderson that I (laughs) threw away because this is a gentleman. I'm using his name and he doesn't Mm -hmm. know this or he does. And I, I... respectfully I, I I'm trying to do everything in a positive light and trying to do everything in their in everyone's best interest but at any point in time he could very easily say cease and desist be done mm. and and that you know and that would be something that we would have to live with um luckily he was very interested in in continuing in in allowing us to continue with the process once we got that we started off on our journey of figuring out which photos will we put in it? We started with about 15,000 photos and whittled them down to about a thousand and then started the research project preliminarily to figure out which of those had the best story to them and uh, ultimately had a very difficult decision to get down to 200 we worked with 180 photographers from wow. i think 50 or 60 different countries their photos touch all over the world literally including antarctica every single continent and we found these incredible stories behind each one and it was uh it was so much more work than i ever expected and i, <laughs> I yeah so
0: but worth it hell yeah I
1: don't believe it still when I pick it up or when I look in the back of your screen and see that book, that that's something that we made. I, I sincerely, it's been a, almost, it's not even been a year and I'm still, it, I don't think it's sunk in because it's not something that I ever really expected to happen. And when I pick it up, it's just a, you know, we tried to keep it as as high quality and as interesting and, you know. One of the things that I always say is trying to be the most critical consumer of your own content. I am very critical of the stuff that we put into the world. Very critical, hypercritical to the point where we'll have a post ready to go. And it's, you know, 745 in the morning. And I look at it and I'm like, I'm not doing this. And Amanda's like, mm-hmm. why are you not going to put that up <laughs> after we spent all this time putting work and energy into it? And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. I'm not feeling it. And that has been the spark of some arguments. But ultimately, we have this respect with an audience. We have built a trust with them. And who is going to be, I don't know, gatekeeper is such a terrible word for it. But who's going to be the person to say, this is not good? I don't know, and apparently, I've unfortunately, or fortunately, I sometimes unfortunately, from the anxieties, fallen into that space, right? But I, I just want to make sure that everything we do is to to its highest quality, and I feel like with the book, I, I don't think we could have knocked it out of the park any further.
0: Oh yeah, I I would totally agree. I mean, it's it's a beautiful book, super high quality. Thank images, you. stories, yeah, it's amazing. Every time I have people come over, they're like, "Oh, what's this?" It's <laughs> been <And spend> like, <laughs> like an hour looking through it. <laughs> I,
1: I love to hear that. I mean, look, the stories that we get from people who have never who gave it as a Christmas present to someone who didn't even know who Wes Anderson was, the stories of people who say they picked it up in a store, or happened across it in a bookstore, or saw it somewhere people reach out to us all the time and say that it's one of their favorite things that they have on their bookshelf or their coffee table. And that one of those messages is just worth the world to me that, you know, Mm. someone is excited about this thing that we put together and they're happy to share it with others. That's, that's an awesome feeling.
0: I bet. Also probably doesn't hurt that it's a New York Times bestseller at this point. (laughs)
1: That does not, that does not hurt. There were a lot of, there were a lot of happy tears that day. That was an unbelievable time. Yeah. I can't even.
0: Was that, was that like a planned effort or
1: unexpected? I I was told from the very beginning, don't get your hopes up. Definitely not happening. Mm. And I was like, okay, sure. Like all I want was to just see a book on the bookshelf that had this collection within it. I mean, this was, again, it was 2020. There is, uh, this little thing called an election happening. It's a uh, October 2020. So we came out oh 10, 20, 2020. So October 20th, 2020, we hit wow. the bookshelves and all it was was political books left and right. And then somehow we kind of nudged in there into number four for a week and we were like, Hey guys, we're here too. And then we disappeared, but wow. that was, uh, my, editor at uh and and publisher sent me this like framed thing of just like the new york times and i was like this is one of my prized possessions for sure
0: seriously gotta frame that
1: i yeah absolutely
0: (laughs) i do have to ask too about actually reaching out to wes anderson what did you end up writing in that in that final letter you sent to him
1: I don't know. I think I blacked out and just <laughs> went with it. Um, I don't know. I whatever I ended up saying, I was incredibly heartfelt, as as sincere as possible. Look, I'm a fan, but it's I'm not a fanboy. I'm not like a, oh my god. I, he's a human being, right? So this is his work. This is his name, and I tried to just be as authentic as possible and just speak from the heart and tell him what the project was and who I was and what I was trying to accomplish. And if he wanted me to shut it down. So be it. And, you know, I I would take whatever answer he gave me. And he said, yeah, you can go ahead and continue with the project. He did have final say, final creative say. So we went out into the world, created a book, sent it to him fully knowing that he had final say. And at that last moment, he could say no, or Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this anymore or whatever. And then it didn't happen. And all of that was for naught, Mm -hmm. but. In the end, what actually happened was that he um, he read the final piece, and not only did he say that it was good to go, but he ultimately penned a few words for the forward, which was not just you know the cherry on top of this process, but it was also a stamp of approval for the community in and of itself. This had been something that had been going on for three years that... We were operating with his name partially attached to this project. And, you know, that was, that was huge. One of the things he said was, what I like about what you do is that it's not so much like what I do. And I was like, cool. I, I love that because it's, it's true. I mean, we're not a Wes Anderson fan club as much as we love and appreciate his work, what we're doing is taking this aesthetic that he has molded and created in these, you know, in these studios to a perfection. And we're finding, pieces of that out in the world and understanding better the stories behind the facades with which those kind of share similarities and so you expand off and and it starts to become its own thing in a way that always does circle back to a specific aesthetic and so him saying that was uh was yeah even more of a stamp of approval in my opinion
0: it's the ultimate blessing
1: yeah for yeah, sure
0: I must have been it felt so good to to hear that from him for sure. Because some of our audience is entrepreneurs, I wonder if you're open to sharing some of the money stuff behind accidentally Wes Anderson, yeah. so around the book. Uh, so one question I had was around how it works with the photographers and contributors to the book. Do you sure. have some kind of like profit sharing or or how does it work with
1: contributors? Yeah, of course. So when it comes to contributors on the Instagram, I mean, that's a free platform. We're very much upfront about that. We don't own anybody's content, make that very clear. Initially, we did not have any legal or like authorizing, whatever. It was always like a trust thing. But I guess once you get too big for that, the handshake agreement goes out the window. And unfortunately, we had a couple people who said, I didn't say that you could use that and tried to legal stuff. And I was like, okay, I I have to talk to a lawyer, I guess. And that's all Mandarin to me. I don't understand it, but you know, I trust the people that do. And so she helped us craft this. Um, and I read it and I was like, I don't even know what I'm reading. Can you please at the very top, just say, we don't own your stuff. I don't want anybody's IP. Don't want Mm -hmm. any of it. That's yours. That's your work. Do with it what you will profit in any way that you want. I I have no ownership of it. And I don't want to ever be the one to take any of that from anybody. As far as the book, those were very specific conversations and contracts and all that stuff from a publishing perspective. But on the front end of it, If we were to pay every photographer what they deserved up front, the project doesn't exist. There were a few people who they're professional photographers and they say, I can't do this unless X. Okay. So we, we make that happen. If we could, we had very limited budget. This is Amanda and me making this happen. Um, and when you're working with 180 photographers, you know, multiply that by any even slightly significant sum and it's astronomical, right? Mm -hmm. So when we went to them, The number one thing that we said was, we want everybody to be incredibly happy with whatever their level of participation in this is. If you're not even if you feel slightly what I, I totally respect all of that. And I, it's okay. I totally get it, even if you've been here from the very beginning. But our promise to them was on the back end of this project, we have a community that's really excited about it. And What they want is prints. They love these photos. They're constantly asking for them. So Mm -hmm. we're going to provide on their behalf, sell prints from of the photographers to the community and ultimately help them hopefully make much more than we ever could have paid them on the front end. That takes a lot of trust to do that because guess what? We're two people. We didn't have, at that point in time, partnerships with any art collectives. We didn't have any high-quality print you know, materials that we were going off of. And that was another kind of a, a stamp of approval, in our opinion, in that we had built a trust with this community significantly to the fact that they, they trusted us with their work, which is very, very, very tough. But that's a difficult conversation. And if 180 people have provided us with that um, as a handshake agreement, it makes us feel good about the relationship that we've cultivated with them.
0: Yeah, it takes a long time and a lot of effort to build that kind of trust. So that's huge I mean, kudos to to you and Amanda.
1: It was a journey. It's it still is a journey. And we very, very uh, publicly don't get it right all the time. And I say that publicly all the time. Sorry, I I, we didn't know, you know, if it was a fact that's incorrect on a post, or we mislabel a location as something. We we put it out to the community in every single place that we post. We say no more comment below. It's not meant to be a gimmick to get people to comment. If you've been there or live around the corner, you know more than we do. So Mm. let us know what you think.
0: Mm, Love that. So at a certain point, this became your full time job. Mm -hmm. How did you make that decision and Before the book was published, was there any revenue coming in from Accidentally Wes Anderson?
1: Before the book was published, very minimal. And we weren't really looking to do that. It was actually um, a very long conversation with Amanda prior to 2020 that, you know, I said, the community is getting to a certain point. It's like this kind of tipping point. And I can't do my full-time job and allow this to continue to grow. And I said, what if we give it a year? I'll leave my job. We'll give it one year and we'll see what happens. Financially, it would be tight, but what are we going to do? Never do it. It's, you know what I mean? So it was a very difficult decision. It was a, a long conversation, multiple conversations. And ultimately, uh, you know, January, 2020, solid time to quit your job. I uh, set off on an adventure to start a travel company, which is incredibly unlikely uh, to succeed, but that's how it started. And ultimately, here we are 18 months later, and um, we are able to still pay our rent fingers crossed that 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 continues to be the process. As far as like brands and things that we work with, that's a tough thing. Before I was full time, we said no, saying no to money beforehand was an easy thing. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not easy, but it's what we do. I mean, I think that we say no many more times than we say yes, let's put it that way. The way that I try to cultivate a conversation between partners and our community is again, I'm the most critical consumer of the content that I create and provide to the community. I've created a trust and and, uh, a respect for them and a trust with them that if I lose that I'm out on my ass. There's, there's no point, right? What's the point in creating content that you're not excited about, but also you have to look at it critically to make sure that it's not going against what you've done in the past. Right? So it was a lot less difficult from a like mental perspective to say no in the past when someone comes and like we have this new app and we want you to share this you know ar capability and i'm like have you seen what we do or who we are that has nothing to do with it i remember somebody said how much is it for a shout out on your page and i was like we don't do that and they said you have to have a price and i said i don't we, we don't do that come on, man, you have to have a price. Yes, it's $4 million. And what you're out of your mind? No, you're out of your mind, because I'm not I has nothing to do with money. It It's it doesn't. And so at the end of the day, yeah, we have to keep our lights on and Amanda and I have to pay our rent. But beyond that, you know, it's really about creating quality content for the community. And we try to cultivate partnerships that make sense. We try to create like this dinner table party Conversation of like minded, interesting organizations and brands that aren't just like, how many likes did we get? How many followers did we get? How many this? What I want to do is create quality content, and that will then beget the qualitative measures that are needed to check the box for the marketing team, who's going to fund it or whatever it might be. And I get that. And those organizations have to take risks. But if you look at our track record up until this point, it was very difficult early on. But at this point, we've worked with organizations that get it. And they're very happy with what we've created for them from Hotels.com, bringing us to Tokyo and Kyoto, to working with Persol to explore the bridges of New York City, to doing two engagements with Sotheby's. We worked with Prada in the past. We work with high profile brands that are high quality that understand the the high level with which we hold our community, the high bar that we set, they respect that just the same. What our community enjoys is uncovering interesting stories about place, about craft, about tradition. I mean, some of them make sense in and of themselves, right? When we work with tourist boards... Money. That's amazing. I am so happy when we work with tourist boards. They don't have big budgets. And guess what? That does not matter. Because what they want to share is the beauty of a place. We want to share that location with this community. And that's what they're there to do. But I think the number one hurdle that we have really paved the way for ourselves is through re-education of potential partners and that re-education comes from the fact that within our website and media kit and all that stuff the number one thing it says is please don't call us an influencer because i'm not an influencer i have no desire to have a floppy hat or to do peace sign in the you know in the bathtub of your hotel We'll never do that, have no desire to do it, and see no value in that. No offense to any influencers out there who are trying to do their thing. That's their thing. My thing is the story behind the facade, the beauty within the place, and the quality content that we can create that would beget, again, those quantitative results. We may have a million-plus Members of our community, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have a multitude of other pieces within our universe. We've created a media brand. We have our website that is fully searchable. People are saving creating their own collections of locations that they're going to go explore or mood boards or what have you, long form video content. Our newsletter has gone bananas. We have a partner in a print product called whalebone magazine. They do six Mm. high quality themed issues every year. Great people incredible understanding of what they're trying to do. And so they have this like insanely high quality print magazine that AWA has a feature in one every other month. Hmm. And then ultimately having pop-up events that we've put together on our own. So starts with Instagram. We go to a place, we capture a ton of content the way that we've ultimately expressed what we've become. I hate the word agency also you know, no offense out there. But we ultimately are a small, nimble, full service agency that just so happens to have a leaned in community of more than a million individuals. And so if there's an opportunity for us to either create white label content, we love doing it. If there's an opportunity to create something that makes sense for our community, we're there for it just the same. But that re-education process, that shift of Oh, accidentally, Wes Anderson, yeah, they're on Instagram, right? They're an influencer. No, it's it's a much bigger conversation than that. And, um, you know, influencer marketing has its own tracks at conferences, has conferences of its own. What we are, it's a little bit different than what those conversations typically have. So starting those conversations off with potential partners can be tough. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the term influencer has kind of become this dirty word over time. Sure, yeah. But I think what you guys do have is influence. And by that, I mean, uh, to build influence, you need the attention of an audience and you need trust.
1: The trust is the hardest thing to build and the easiest thing to lose. I mean... It takes so much time and careful effort to make sure that you're cultivating a, a trustworthy relationship with that community. It's not something you can just do without thought. You can't buy followers with trust, you know. You, you can't boost your engagement or boost a promote a post or something with trust. But if you can build that trust through constant communication, that is what they're hoping to see and what you promised them that they were going to see that's where you get something very interesting.
0: Yeah. It's a great segue for the last kind of topic I want to touch on, which is how you managed to stay sane, both you and Amanda. Um, It sounds like (laughs) you
1: Uh, poured so much
0: of yourself into this project. But yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: You know, there's uh, I was looking to see if I had it in here. There's this artist... Adam JK. And he was based in Brooklyn, I think he moved out to Hawaii, but he has these uh, sayings, these he hand draws them and uh, takes like typical sayings, and then crosses a part of it out and like rewrites it for himself. And one of them is, you know, do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life, right? Like, that's what everybody says. And um, he writes, do what you love, and then he crosses out the rest of it and writes and you'll never work harder in your life and you'll take everything super personally (laughs) and, um, and you'll have no separation of personal and uh, business. That's, there's nothing more true than that poster that is uh, that we just framed. And I'm very excited to hang in front of my desk. Um, it's true. It's a personal journey. You can't take things personally, as difficult as I think that is. I'm not an expert at it. You can ask Amanda. You can ask uh, my therapist. You can ask anybody. It's a process. It's a journey. It's one that you have to take seriously, but only to a certain extent. And you have to learn your limits. You have to understand how far you can go and how embedded into the process you can be and want to be without getting burnt out you have mm-hmm. to find that balance as cliche as that sounds you have to find it or it will find you <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely are there uh, are there certain things you do to unwind and just get away from work
1: <laughs> uh-uh <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found that balance yet. And it is about to find me. But I mean, we're a 24 hour machine at this point, And we're trying to find that balance and figure out what that is. And whether that's, you know, going for a walk, or whether that's going and just shutting things down on a Sunday, or half a Sunday, or whatever it is, what we do to unwind, we just do whatever's closest and nearby and <laughs> quick and cheap and easy to do. But still figuring it out. It's a journey. It's this, you know, this is the adventure, right?
0: Definitely. Yeah, we'll have to check back in a year or something. As I was gonna say, (laughs) um, (laughs) most people will like leave and travel on vacation to take a break. But it sounds like for you guys, that would be work.
1: (laughs) So the last time that we did that was actually we took like a dual honeymoon where we like just invited a bunch of our friends and we went to Puerto Rico and got a big house. And I remember vividly, this was now three years ago, I guess I remember vividly, getting off the plane and having like a mini panic attack that I hadn't filmed, like the process of getting there. And then I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) we don't have to film anything. And then, (laughs) but the crazy thing is, you know, yeah, we had a wonderful time and we didn't do any AWA stuff, but the crazy thing is we're here in Brooklyn and I found myself now wanting to film everything in an AWA because I, I see it, in everything now, in all of these little things. And there's a, there's a festival, uh, an Italian festival that's going on around the corner. And we were like, okay, we'll take the rest of the afternoon off. We'll just go wander around and, you know, get a hot dog or something. And we were super stressed out and walking around there. And I found this, you know, release in capturing these like awesome videos of this ambient motion and just like people doing their daily business and whatnot that only I think I can be super excited about and maybe like <laughs> M- Amanda and like one other person that I know everyone else is just like I don't get it. it's just a guy looking for a book and I'm like yeah but like look at it's the perfect friend <laughs> But that I feel, you know, I treat every interview kind of as a therapy session. So I'm learning a little bit about this just in and of itself that, you know, what do we do to relax? I guess we capture stuff that we're, we're interested in.
0: (laughs) Mm, And then it feeds into the machine. (laughs) Yes,
1: exactly. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe (laughs) it falls through the cutting room floor. We don't know.
0: I love it. Yeah. I I feel like I'm getting into that mode too, of like, everything is content. Why am I not filming every little you know yeah yeah
1: it's crazy it's crazy i mean when it came to photos early on before any of this before I had an iPhone, before I had anything, I just took tons of photos. I wasn't good at it, but my entire room was always filled up with like disposable cameras because I think I just didn't have a great memory and I wanted to remember everything. And Mm -hmm. so I would just capture these photos and then I would print them and I'd be like, and people would be like, those aren't very good. And I'd be like, yeah, but now I know what happened. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. I see something like that in the, the things that we capture now. And I find that almost comforting that if I couldn't figure it out, I can go back into this hard drive and find all of these incredible things. Because back then there was, you know, I didn't have a phone, I didn't have whatever. You just were at a party and you wanted to remember it. So now being able to explore the world, you're kind of creating your own little time capsule and and allowing people to, to kind of see that just the same and, and start to inspire them, hopefully, knock on wood, to Create their own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the, the AWA page for me is like a calming space because all the images are, they feel quiet because there's seldom people in them. And so mm-hmm. I get the sense of calm.
1: Yeah. If you haven't checked it out, take a peek at the website. We're not web developers either. Just like we're not architects, historians or anything like that. We begged and pleaded a lot of our friends who are smart and good at those things to help us out and make this. And um, it's just like that book. It's something we're very proud of. Proud of that like people can go in and like create their own um, and search for places by location or see our journeys, you know, the full adventure guides that we have up there that kind of creating their own itineraries. It's really, really awesome.
0: Yeah. Oh, That's a great way to close out if you want to share where everyone can find you on the interwebs.
1: Yeah. Uh, accidentallywesanderson.com. That's the play.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Wally, for being here with us. Your story is truly inspiring as someone who's trying to do content, getting in the game. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And hopefully it was helpful a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. I'd love to hear what you got out of this episode. Take a picture of where you're listening from and tag me on a story at Inside Out with Jane. I'll be back here next Tuesday and in the meantime, chat with you online. Bye.